Well, hello, ladies, gentlemen, everyone listening in. Thank you for tuning in to this new podcast of VORW International. Thanks for listening. Uh, pleased to be here at the microphone for you tonight. Well, at least a uh, tonight for me, at least as I'm recording this, 2.37 a.m., early morning hours. This show isn't going to be the world's most informative program. It's not even going to have a set theme. And uh, I say that just as you're tuning in now, you know kind of what you're in for or what you're not going to be getting. So this isn't going to be some sort of detailed uh, program about what's going on in Ukraine, etc. So a few a few thoughts, a few miscellaneous thoughts, and uh, what this program is going to be about. Uh, it's been a busy last uh, couple weeks, I guess. God, how time flies. I kind of just lose track of it all, quite frankly. You know, between everything that's been going on in the world, between things personally, which I'm just not going to talk about it. I don't want to go there. And uh, everything else, you know, managing the YouTube channel, the radio broadcasts, which I've really been putting a huge amount of time into, but to me it's all worth it, you know, and the correspondence proves that, that it's it's being received and well-received by people. But anyway, and everything else going on, uh, it hasn't given me the chance to do a podcast where I kind of look at some podcast-related emails. So that's what it's going to be today. I'm just going to open up the inbox, and uh, I'm just going to try to play catch-up, essentially, just to try to at least crack away at a few emails. I know it's not going to be a ton. There will be more, obviously, but uh, I just don't want people to feel like their emails kind of just went to waste, and, you know, you typed all this up for nothing. Uh, So at the very least, I just want to try to read and respond to a few, so that's what I'm going to be doing. It's just going to be a little mailbag show. Not a big one. Maybe this will just be an hour-long program or something to that extent. Uh, So anyway, that's what it'll be. The way to uh, reach me, by the way, as you'll hear in this program, I'll be getting to some random emails with listener comments, listener questions, listener topic suggestions. I always say that the mailbag program is a blank slate. It's a a place where you could write in with whatever you want, and I'll try to get to it in an upcoming show. It's just as simple as that, you know? It's just free-form stuff. So, if you do want to contribute, if you do want to send an email, go for it. If you have any questions, topics, suggestions, something you want to hear my thoughts on, something you want to share with the listening audience, etc., uh, you're welcome to correspond. Wait to reach me and the show. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com Alright, so we have that. One thing that I just want to mention just before we get into some emails. Um, I talked about this in the last show a little bit, but I, I just do want to mention... I'm not going to go on my, my usual... <laughs> be all about this, and, you know, I'm just not going to go there this time around. So I'll just say this. If you've been a listener to this broadcast for a while, or not, even if you're just a first-time listener, 
Uh, I've talked about shortwave radio a lot, and you know that I am still a proponent of this medium. You know, I still use it uh, to distribute my broadcasts, actually primarily because I, I see benefits to it even in this day and age. But that's not to say that I have blinding optimism. Uh, I am a pessimist, you know, I, I really am. But at the same time, this medium is not dead yet. It still, it still has life to it. It still has purpose. And uh, that can't be forgotten, which is why, again, I am still an advocate of it. Uh, but obviously, especially in times like what you're seeing right now, in Eastern Europe, uh, with the war in Ukraine and the censorship in Russia, I think that's proof right there why shortwave radio still matters. And I advocate the medium. I obviously, I think that everyone listening should have a radio, quite frankly, but I'm not going to play God. I'm not going to force you to do this, that, or the other thing. My God, number one, I can't do that, but I wouldn't want to do that even if I had that ability. You know, you've got to make up your own mind and, and do what's right for you. And I'll, you know, give my suggestions, I'll give my recommendations, but in the end, it's your choice to make. I'll just reiterate what I say. Look at what's going on. Look at what's going on in the world. Look at the censorship, look at how things can be blocked or brought down or destroyed so easily. And also, look at the medium right now. There's a lot of interesting stuff on the air. So, if you're interested in getting a shortwave radio, maybe you've heard my lectures and spiels about it, but you kind of have held off on it. Uh, if you're not really sure what it is, maybe it's kind of, you know, piquing your interest, you want more information... You want some radio recommendations. Maybe you're interested in it, but, you know, it's obviously a... Maybe it's not something you've ever dabbled in, so you don't even know where to begin. Well, as you may know, I have a great passion for this, and I'll be happy to help you out. So I'll say this right now. In this time of renewed interest uh, regarding shortwave radio, I welcome any inquiries, any questions that you have. Um, if you're interested in getting a radio, you want a radio recommendation... I'll be happy to send them your way. I'll be happy to send any information your way. If you want frequencies to listen to, if you want to listen to my show on the shortwave, and you want me to point you in the right direction, I will be happy to do that. So all I ask of you is this. Just email me, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you're curious about shortwave radio, you want radio recommendations, antenna recommendations, whatever it might be, um, I'll be happy to help. You know, I, I always am. So just ask away, and uh, like I said, I'll be happy to point you in the right direction. But yeah, shortwave radio, it has its, uh, certainly has its day in the news. You know, right now, and I know people are kind of, they either love it or hate it, but I'm looking right now at the New York Times. You know what's on the front page right now of the New York Times? It says, what intercepted Russian radio chatter reveals. And you know what it is? It's a feature story about those very same Russian military communications that I was telling you about 
in the last program. Those very same ones, same frequencies, the same units. I even recognized some of the names of those units, and I thought, oh, those are the same guys I was listening to. And uh, what are they using? Shortwave radio. You know, people were hearing them on their own radios. Fascinating stuff. But um, still in the, in the news, still making the news, all that good stuff. All right, one other thing. Obviously, the news, the news cycle. I mean, nothing's really changed. It's just gotten more uh, obvious, I don't know. With the war in Ukraine, people have obviously taken sides, and uh, that's to be expected. But people get blinded by... uh, you know, you want to see a certain outcome, but you have to be wary about the legitimacy of what you see online, and that goes both ways. It's just people are getting caught under this spell where they think that propaganda doesn't exist if it's for the side that I support. That's a very dangerous attitude to have. Very dangerous. My advice to you, if you're following what's going on in Ukraine, because, I mean, I kind of go over with a microscope for uh, my radio reports, is this. There is so much lies, misinformation, disinformation, intentional or otherwise, and just complete and total BS on both sides. And pay attention to certain words and phrases even used in mainstream reporting, such as the words claims, or the words suggests, or a source with no further context. With those words, for any side, anything could be written. And people don't see it. They just put a certain stamp on something, you put it in a certain outlet, and people will just assume it to be true. And that's not the case. And uh, it goes both ways. You know, I don't care how much flack I get for saying this, but if you have this idea that propaganda in this is only pro-Russian, I don't know what to tell you. If you want to go and call me whatever you want, then go for it. You know how to do it. But it goes both ways. I see it. So... Just be careful. That's all. And I would hope you would know by now that major networks have biases of their own. And they do the very same thing. It's hard to find the truth. It's very hard. You could only get a little picture of what's really going on. You know, if you really want to know what's going on in Ukraine, I mean, I'll tell you this. Russia is still advancing. Ukraine is putting up one heck of a fight in certain areas, but Russia isn't letting up, nor will they. 
That is the cold, hard truth, and sums up everything that's pretty much happened in Ukraine at this point. But that's all I really wanted to say about it. If you're going to go and use social media or any of that and really try to, to focus this, just get ready to, to pull your hair out, because it's going to be so strikingly obvious and apparent, and it's probably going to drive you crazy until you get despondent and desensitized to it all. And then that kind of makes it a little easier, but um, I'm just warning you right now, that's what you're going to be in for. All right, let's open up the email now and let's take a look at some emails coming in. All right, this email comes in from a listener who goes by a fella named Dan. I've started taking cues from you in my dressing habits, and I started to wonder, do you like normal ties or bow ties more, or do you have a preference, maybe? Personally, I like bow ties more than normal ties, though one of my favorite ties I have is a red silk tie. Another question I have, do you have a favorite suit? My personal favorite is a gray suit I bought from a church store, though the pants are a bit long, so I have to wear suspenders when I wear it. And my last question is, do you have a favorite tie? It can be either a normal tie or a bow tie, just out of all your ties, which one is your favorite? So thank you, Dan. Number one, let's just answer these uh, one by one. Normal ties or bow ties. I like neckties. Those are my favorite. Those are what I wear. Um, mostly. Maybe I'll wear a bow tie a couple times a year. But uh, by and large, I wear neckties. I especially like wearing neckties with wing collar or imperial collar shirts in a uh, Victorian and Edwardian era style. But neckties all the way. I am a necktie fan. Uh, a favorite suit. I, I like all of my suits. I really do. I don't think I have a suit that I don't like at this point. You know, all the suits that I have, I have them because I like them. You know, that's why they're a part of my wardrobe. And, uh, you know, all the clothing that I have, it's something that, you know, I have because I like it, and it's what I enjoy wearing, so a lot of thought goes into the clothing when I am to buy something, and nowadays I almost never do, but if I ever make any purchases, it is done with very careful consideration. So all of the suits that I have, I like. Um, one suit that I certainly like is this uh, dark gray suit. It's got a faint pinstripe. It's a single-breasted suit. And it's uh, from the mid-1980s. It's uh, Ralph Lauren Polo University Club. And the cut of it, I just really, really like. Um, I like the way that it looks. I like the style of it. It's a two-button suit, you know, a bit of a longer jacket, wide um, lapels. The pants are pleated and are wide leg, and uh, just the cut of it is, is perfect. Um, it's everything I could ask for in a suit. 
And it's exactly what I hope for in terms of my style and the way that I like um, suits and the cut thereof. I go with a very traditional fit. Essentially, the way I like to wear my suits, think of slim fit and modern suits, and now think of the antithesis thereof, the polar opposite. That's what I wear. I, essentially, everything that I look for in a suit is what popular suits today, the contemporary styles, aren't. So, so many suits these days, you know, very uh, slim fit, very form-fitting. The waistline, it kind of just goes to the hip and our uh, almost low-rise, which, you know, it is what it is. It's just, I guess, what people wear. The jacket is kind of tight, very thin lapels, etc. And uh, I go for the opposite, you know. I go for wide-leg pants. I go for... They always have to be pleated and wide-leg, roomy, drapey pants. I look for jackets that most certainly go well below the waist and have room. People say the suits are boxy. Yes, because that's what I want. I don't want them to be form-fitting. I I want the suits to just be essentially amorphous, um, where it's just kind of a a flowy shape with no contours illustrated whatsoever. I want to be formless, and I want everything to be completely covered. And um, the jackets will have more fabric, they'll have wide lapels, etc., and uh, I just always like them in, you know, darker or muted colors, nothing very loud. So the styles that I wear, especially in comparison to uh, a lot of what you see, are, yes, very ex- extremely conservative and uh, very traditional. And it's, it's just the way that I like it. And uh, that's just what works for me. But uh, that one suit, that gray suit, is uh, that's an awesome one. That's a good suit right there. And finally, in regards to your tie question, uh, there's a lot of ties that I like, too. Um, That's really tough. There's this one tie that I like that came to mind immediately. It's this um, striped tie, and it's black with blue and white stripes. I've always liked that tie. There's another tie that I've I have liked that's also special to me. Um, it's tough to describe. It's, it's... I'm even having trouble finding the right words. It's just a mishmash of colors. It just looks like some sort of painting, you know? It's a horrible description. The words escape me, but I just like that one, too. It's easy for me to visualize the tie, but then transferring said visualization to this program has proven rather difficult, but I hope that answer suffices nonetheless. A short comment from the Panda6400 who says, I finished listening to your latest podcast, and I wanted to say 
It's an interesting radio perspective you have on the war in Ukraine. I never really thought of it that way. Thank you for the radio shows and podcasts. So thank you. Uh, short email, some feedback there. My pleasure. Glad you enjoyed that perspective. I thought, you know, if there's anything that I could talk about that isn't regurgitating the same stuff you hear on the news, uh, how about we talk about the radio side of things? Because, boy, I, I sure can. So there you have it. The short wave, it's... I you know, I wonder, is this... You ever hear of the concept of a swan song where before something dies, this obviously isn't precedent, it's just, you know, the terminology. This doesn't happen all the time, but, you know, the concept of a swan song is before something dies, it kind of has its last, a final moment of glory. I wonder, some people kind of ask the question, and this is just my pessimism, granted, you know, about a revival with shortwave, I'm looking at it more like this is the swan song of uh, this medium, that maybe this is the last time it's going to be talked about and used and acknowledged to the extent that it is right now ever, that this might be it. And uh, this is kind of its last, its uh, last hurrah, so to speak. I don't know, time will tell. I just don't want to... I don't want to get overly optimistic. I don't want to sit here and say, oh yeah, this this is back now, and, um... You know, it's going to stay that way, only to become depressed and despondent when that doesn't happen. I'm just trying to balance it, that's all, but... It's interesting to think about anyway, but... Either way, regardless of what it is, uh, the shortwave radio is still, I mean, it's being utilized very, very heavily at this point. I mean, even more stations are coming to the airwaves again. We've got Vatican Radio. Um, they made an announcement. They started up two frequencies to uh, Russia and Ukraine. So they're, they're back. Um, actually, they're increasing their output to the area. Uh, Radio Exterior de España has a frequency to Russia now. You have Radio France International. They registered. So this isn't on the air yet, but it looks like they're in the works. Uh, they registered three frequencies in Russian that looks like at the end of the month... Uh, they're going to start that up to Russia. So uh, that's good to see Radio France International. They're a major uh, news broadcaster on the shortwave. There's some reports coming out of, uh, I think it's Sweden. And uh, this, it's like, I'll believe this when I see it. But there's an initiative by one of the, the telecom providers in Sweden to start up a shortwave news service to Russia and Ukraine, and they're going to call it, like, uh, I forget the name, it's going to be something like Radio Nordstream, you know, based off of the, the pipeline, kind of a play off of that. And, uh, but they didn't really, they, they seemed like they weren't completely sure as to the technical specificities of the medium, 
so we'll see how that really goes over. It's just, I could see, it depends on who they use as a consultant, because it's clear that they want to get on the air to broadcast on shortwave this new uh, news service to Russia and Ukraine. But the people managing it don't know what shortwave is, and they were kind of looking for some help in, in explaining it. Uh, I considered helping them out, but I just didn't have the time, and it, it looked like some other people were kind of stepping up. But it all depends. I mean, if someone steps up as, let's say, a, a technical advisor to that program, and the guy is just a ham radio operator and is saying, oh, yeah, you know, I, I only use a 500-watt uh, transmitter and uh, etc., and I could, you know, using these specialized modes, uh, reach people here, there, and elsewhere, they'll, they'll completely buy that. And my concern would be that they would just set up shop with a very low-power transmitter, thinking it would be reaching people over there when it wouldn't. Um, so if the people advising that project are simply have an amateur understanding of the medium, you know, it could kind of go a certain way. If radio, you know, to give unsolicited advice to no one, pretty much, because I know they're not listening to this, but if I were their advisor, I would recommend that they have to go with high power. Um, that's the only way that you could do it at this point. I would personally suggest that they go over to the facility in uh, Musbrunn, Austria, and uh, assuming they're a big telecom agency, so they could certainly fork over the money, uh, rent out one of the 300 kilowatt transmitters there. I've used those transmitters. The airtime isn't cheap, but again, they're a big business. They could afford it, <laughs> and uh, it will get you results. Uh, you know, get a 300 kilowatt transmitter and start beaming it due east from Austria and uh, you will reach the intended areas, no problem. Like I said, I've done it, I know. I've gotten the reports, I've gotten the response to prove it. And uh, all they have to realize is, uh, you know, just pick the right frequencies. Uh, ideally, since the distance between Austria and especially Ukraine, if, if they would do a service to Ukraine, they can kind of stick with a lower frequency um, all the time. Uh, they might even be able to just keep it maybe in the 49 meter band, maybe around, you know, the 6,000 kilohertz range. And uh, that would be fine 24 hours. If they want to reach Russia, they'd have to choose a slightly higher frequency given the distance and maybe rent out two transmitters, you know, one with a high frequency, maybe around, and let's say, 17 megahertz uh, to reach Far Eastern Russia, and then a lower one, maybe at around 9 to 11 megahertz to reach um, European Russia. But again, they need high power, 300 kilowatts at a minimum, I would say, to uh, cut through any noise, any interference, you name it. And that way it'll get through to anyone, even if they've got some old you know, boombox from the 1980s, uh, it'll come in loud and clear. Anyway, I didn't even mean to do that. Who the, what, what the hell is the point of this? Some overly technical analysis for no one. It's, uh, it is what it is anyway. But you've got that. Um, 
And then the Shortwaves for Freedom project is going nicely. Um, you know, these days there's not a lot of there's not a lot much good going on at this point. But one of the few things that I was kind of, you know, kind of putting some faith in is the uh, the Shortwaves for Freedom project. We talked about that for a while in the last show, which uh, is the initiative because our own inept government. Uh, refuses to broadcast programming on the shortwave to Russia and Ukraine, uh, given that the programming of the Voice of America and Radio Free Europe is public domain. Uh, this campaign was launched to purchase airtime from transmitter sites to broadcast the programming themselves. And, uh, wow, this, this fundraiser has been an incredible success. And uh, it makes me happy to see something good happen for once, where you've got... They wanted to raise $10,000. And I think when we were doing the show the other week, the goal, the, the amount that they raised, I think, was maybe like four or $5,000. They reached the $10,000 threshold, and then they surpassed it. And... Uh, They've raised close to $20,000. So this is excellent. And again, I'm already seeing the results. They've increased broadcasts. And uh, here's the latest schedule. Uh, so right now, they've got two hours of uh, Radio Svoboda, which is Radio Free Europe in Russian, on 7780 kHz. Uh, from 0200 UTC to uh, 0300 UTC, and then from uh, 4 to 5 UTC, and that's beamed over to Europe. Uh, it reaches European Russia. Uh, then from 18 to 19 hours UTC, there's another relay of Radio Svoboda on 1395 kHz. That's from an AM station in Armenia, but it's got a whopping 500 kilowatt transmitter. So, I mean, they're really, like I said, this is the real deal. They're not holding back. They're going with the real big transmitters um, to make sure that signal is going to get into Russia. So 500,000 watts of power on that frequency. Uh, then they have another hour from 19 to 20 hours UTC on 9370 kilohertz. Uh, transmitted on shortwave, again from Central Asia, uh, with several hundred kilowatts of power, uh, reception really good across Russia on that. And then from 1930 UTC to 20 UTC, on 15770 kilohertz, we've got the Voice of America, Flashpoint Ukraine. All of this stuff is funded by the donations, and uh, they're looking to expand more, uh, given that they've surpassed their goal. And uh, they're going to get some Ukrainian language programming on the air next. So, just really good to see. It's definitely getting out there. It's all reaching exactly where it's supposed to be reaching. And uh, it's so good to see uh, these stations back on the air. It's shameful that this government of ours won't fund them when they have the money to. You know, instead the money's just burning away. And, uh for nothing, but um, the fact that, you know, people saw 
the government's reluctance to act, so people took it into their own hands, and uh, they're doing it. They're doing a darn good job, and of all of this, there's not much good to see. But this is one of the few bright spots, and it's it's really nice to see. I kind of when I saw that they reached the ten thousand dollar threshold, I couldn't help but smile. It uh, it was. It was nice to see, and <laughs> I'll admit I let out a little cheer, you know, because I believe in these guys. I know that they're the real deal, and, uh, you know, I want to see them succeed. I so badly wanted to see them reach that threshold, and then they did, and uh, it just makes me happy, I, you know. It, it just does. It's, uh, it's real nice. So we've got that going, which is great. And, uh, you know, some other stations are also considering uh, some expansions as well. There's another French uh, station that's kind of doing some test transmissions. um, And they're seeing just based on reception, but they might start up a daily news uh, broadcast there too. So, I mean, shortwave right now is alive over there. It really is. And, for instance, over in the city of Mariupol, there was news coming out that there's no electricity, there's no television, every single local radio station is destroyed and completely off the air, there's no cell service, there's no internet, there's no nothing. So how do you think people are getting their news over there at this point? It's one of those rare situations where literally shortwave and long-distance AM radio is the only way to get a link with the outside world, aside from word of mouth. And that's it. So, I mean, I guarantee there's listeners there. Like I said, for people, sometimes I see people kind of critical of all this stuff, and... uh I I will counter it directly. For God's sake, I broadcast to Ukraine. (laughs) I mean, for God's sake, I broadcast to the place. In peacetime, and I heard from plenty of listeners for the times that I did, I broadcast in 2017 out of the station in Bulgaria with 150 kilowatts, and the airtime was expensive, so I eventually had to pull the plug on it, but week after week after week, The bulk of the correspondence that would come in was from Russia and Eastern Europe, from different listeners. It was all over the place. I remember I made this map of all the different listeners that wrote in across Russia and Ukraine and Belarus, those three. Heard from tons of people there. Like I said, that's when, yes, you had the war in Donbass going on, but the rest of the countries were not plagued with the destruction uh, the censorship, etc., that you're seeing today. So, then you have these these people that so confidently say there's no listeners there. So you're telling me, all the listeners that were tuning into my own program that I have first-hand experience of are they just a, a figment of my imagination? <laughs> Give me a break. I know there's listeners there. I know for a fact. I know from direct experience. And so many of the people making those claims 
don't. They've never broadcast to Ukraine and Russia and Belarus before, but they so confidently act like there's no listeners, but my god, I know there are. That's why I have faith in these projects, um, because I have the experience to back it up. Quick question from Garrett in Lynchburg, Tennessee. My question is centered on your thoughts on facial hair in terms of style for men. I know you are personally very clean-shaven, but do you think facial hair looks good on certain men, or is all facial hair unattractive, no matter who you are? So, uh, thank you, Garrett, for checking in. Now, I think it's an individual thing. I think facial hair, it works for some people, it doesn't for others, but in the end, you just gotta say, look, it's my face, and, uh, if I want to have a beard... Then I'll have a beard, if that's what I want. If I want to have a mustache, then that's what I'll have. Uh, it's an individual thing. Me, personally, I don't like facial hair. And, uh, I don't want any of it whatsoever. Now, I've had people who have said to me, uh, they'll say to me, Oh, you know, they'll Photoshop a picture of me with a beard and they'll email me the picture and they'll say look at how much better you look bro you don't look like some 12 year old anymore um oh get get this and uh you know and then they'll give some sort of implication to sexual intercourse what if that's not my priority what if the, uh, what if i don't care about that why do these people sit there they they think i guess because their world revolves around sex, so does everyone else's. So they say, you know, get, get, grow a beard, and you'll get this, that, and the other thing, but then they have to understand, what if my priorities are different than yours? But that just goes over their heads and forget it. You know, these people are so self-centered, they've got this worldview. What works for me works for everyone else, and that's how they have to live their lives. So I just find all of that sort of stuff preposterous. I say, well, that's great. You know, you made a, a photoshopped picture of me with a beard, and you could talk hypotheticals all day, but I, I just don't care. So what if I look like I'm 12 years old? What, 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 so what? What difference does it make? It doesn't change who I am. It's just I don't want facial hair, so I ensure that I haven't any. Case closed. That's it. That's, that's, that's all that I have to say. It's an individual thing. If someone wants to have a giant bushy beard, go for it. Do whatever you want. It's your face. It's your facial hair. It's your life. Do what works for you. You know, but I just don't like it when you have people that sit there and they get so, so prideful of this, that, and the other thing, and then they feel like they're better than everyone else because I got this big beard, and look at you, you're so pathetic because you don't have a beard like me. Nonsense. Total nonsense, in my opinion. Good question, though. Thanks for checking in. Gonna read a couple more emails, and then that'll be that for the show. We hear from... Elizabeth in Longmont, Colorado. Do you still check this inbox? Indeed I do. Just wanted to say, 
that I've been going through your podcasts and always enjoy your perspective on things. You have so much wisdom and insight for someone so young, but you are an old soul after all, hence the love of suits and shortwave. Maybe there is something to be said for reincarnation and karma after all. I also recently watched your video on Little Caesar's extra pepperoni video, false advertising. Obviously, I was sorry to see you so upset, but corporate America will never deliver on its promises. Corporate America does not care about the individual person or their health or happiness, though maybe an exception could be made for Chick-fil-A. I uh, would love to hear your opinion on Chick-fil-A uh, compared to their very corporate and seemingly soulless counterparts. That said, you I hope you don't let the corporate model get you down in the future. The greed and darkness of corporations and politicians will always be there, but I hope you could take a break from all of that and still enjoy the simple things in life and the things you can control. Please enjoy your life. Maybe something lasts after we die, but you... But you, as you are now, may only happen once. And you are an amazing and interesting individual. So thank you, Elizabeth, in Longmont, Colorado. Thank you for your kind words in life. You know, it is what it is. It's got its, uh... It's, you know, it's got its ups and downs, and, uh... You know, when I when I look at it, there's a uh, there's a couple things that keep me going, and uh, I stick around. What you were touching on in terms of corporate greed and all of that, oh, it it is what it is, and there's no there's no denying that. Uh, absolutely, you know, these companies don't care one single bit. It's it's PR. You know, they want they want you to think that they care about you, but. They care about your money. They don't really care about you. That's, and that's just the way that it goes, you know? And I think we all know that. Um, in some companies, though, they are better than others. It is a hierarchy. And, um, you know, not all companies are... I think some people just look at things in black and white and they think, uh, you know, business is evil and companies are evil. Companies, many companies, are greedy. But... A lot of people, you know, we still depend on them. And, uh, that's just the way that it is. So, no, it, it's like in that video, the, uh, the Little Caesars review. Oh, I was frustrated, but one thing that you always have to remember when I do a review on YouTube, I always play things up for the sake of entertainment. And, you know, because think of it this way, it's kind of going out to a much broader audience than these programs are here. At least in terms of people who actually want to give it the light of day. If I were to just kind of sit there at the table or wherever I am doing the review and, um, you know, just kind of be as... as, uh... What's the right word? for lack of a better word, low energy, as I am here at the microphone, and normally am, you know, a couple people would watch, but not too many. So you have to play things up a little bit 
to um, be a bit more animated, be a bit more jovial, or uh, at the very least a bit more exciting than uh, normal to, you know, you have to play the role of entertainer at least a little bit. So I'm always a bit more hyped up and, you know, a few more quips than usual and all that. You know, it's a show where uh, I inform as to whether or not the item is good and entertain at the same time. At least that's what I try to do. So it's not like I was actually sitting there after the video, you know, in a corner uh, crying my eyes out or any of that. I just thought as is, you know, it's Little Caesars. So <laughs> what did I expect? But I did think that their apology and everything was, was quite quite nice. And um, yeah, the corporate culture and corporate greed, all of that. I mean, like you said, you know, it just is what it is and it's not going to change. Of course not. Uh, Chick-fil-A, I will say this, they, um, I like them. I like Chick-fil-A and I don't care what people say. That's why when I did the fast food tier list video in 2019, I knew I was going to get some flack for saying that they're my favorite um, of them all, but they are. I, I can't lie. That's just the way that it is. I like Chick-fil-A and experience time and again continues to solidify that. With everything else continuing to slip and degrade further and further, uh, Chick-fil-A still does a, a, a darn good job. They offer, number one, a good product. Number two, good service. Number three, they do everything in a timely manner, which is insane. I mean, if you go to a Chick-fil-A during the lunch rush, there's going to be, at least in Florida, there's like 40 cars lined up in both lanes in the drive through almost wrapped around the building, and they will still get you in and out quickly. You're not going to be there for an hour or two. I mean, they, they keep things moving from a logistical point of view, and they're affordable too. So, you know, why wouldn't they be a company that I like? Of course I like them, and I, I frequent them often. I have a Chick-fil-A nearby, and uh, I patronize them regularly. Because I, I just... They're one of those places also where I kind of like the entire menu. I mean, sometimes I'll go there and I'll get a spicy chicken sandwich. Uh, sometimes I'll get the regular Chick-fil-A sandwich. Sometimes, if I'm feeling a little brazen, I'll go with the deluxe. If I'm not that hungry, I'll go with their nuggets. And sometimes I'll get... Uh, the chicken tenders, and they got the different sauces, and I like their waffle fries. Uh, some of their shakes are good. I like their breakfast. I like the um, chicken biscuits, and I like the chicken minis. I like their hash browns. I mean, I'm kind of naming the entire menu because I just, I, I, I like it. So, it is what it is, but I just like what they do. And uh, more places need to follow their cues and, and realize you can still offer quality product, quality service, quality experience, while still keeping your head above water, and people will come. There's a reason why the Chick-fil-A's are always so crowded, because people seek the same thing that I'm seeing. 
They think, wow, you know, this place is great. It sure blows, you know, whatever other place out of the water coming back here. There was a time when I didn't have a Chick-fil-A nearby. The nearest one was like 45 minutes, maybe an hour away. And you know what? I made that hour drive probably more than once a week because I just like it so much. You know, I, uh, when I say I'm a fan, I'm not lying. I, I am. But those are my reasons why. I like what they do. And time and again, one good experience after the next. Email comes in from a good chicken place to a not-so-good one. Well, this is a bit of a, uh, a recommendation. All right, let's see this. From Derek. I was re-watching some of your older videos, and I came across the video, The Most Disappointing Chicken Sandwich Yet, posted December 22nd, 2021. In the video, you appear to be recovering from what you speculated in your previous video to be COVID-19. Uh, you know, I know I know where you're getting with this, and I will retort, but let me get... You could have your word in it, but um, I, I will kind of counter this. My observation, for reasons I will soon explain, is that you are likely suffering from one of the more common symptoms of COVID-19 during your review of this chicken sandwich, the loss of taste and smell. I, of course, cannot know what you experienced during your illness and do not wish to seem presumptuous, so I apologize if that comes off this way. I merely believe you to be a man of integrity who would neither wish to undeservedly malign a restaurant, nor deny yourself access to potentially enjoyable food. To begin with, my argument here is that the sandwich looked quite good, which is a common theme in the comment section of the video. Secondly, I've had PDQ before, and my experience was very dissimilar to yours, which could obviously come down to taste proficiency of the chefs preparing your meals, so on. The most, ex uh, most interesting experience I have is the only flavor you mentioned in the entirety of the video uh, was black pepper, which, as you may be aware, black pepper actually irritates mucous membranes, which is why it may have been the most notable flavor in your particular day. All in all, I believe a PDQ rematch is in order. So, uh, Derek, thank you for writing in. Now, you also add a postscript to say, um, I am not an aff affiliate of PTQ in any way. So, uh, there you have it. All right, Derek, thank you for writing in and thank you for your suggestion. Now, here's how I will retort. Because I have gotten that criticism before. People say, well, you know, you were dealing with COVID before that, and... You, you you say in the next video that the food is tasteless. Obviously, that's the COVID-19, um, given that, again, one of the most common symptoms uh, of COVID was lack of taste or smell. Now, I will counter that by saying, all right, number one, I didn't really lose my sense of taste or smell at all. 
that was pretty much there for the duration of the illness. I mean, as we know, you know, I got the Omicron variant. It was what it was. But the symptoms of that were slightly different than some of the earlier COVID variants. So that's just one thing. But number one, I did not lose my sense of taste or smell. Now, people might say, oh, you just think you didn't, because you know how people are. They like to act, even though they aren't you, like they could speak and think for you. And I could say, well, look, this is my body. I know what I went through. I know what I experienced. But they'll act like, even though they're not me, they are, and they'll speak for me and they'll say, no, you obviously lost your sense of taste and smell. Come on. You had COVID. Well, yes, and I didn't. You know, but then you fall into this loop and it's like you're talking to a brick wall. But anyway, most compelling, though, is that this was not my first time having PDQ. As a matter of fact, the first few times I ever had PDQ were before COVID ever existed. So by that argument, you can say, well, either my sense of taste and smell has been shot from the get-go, in which case I've just been doing a very convincing act over the last few years, or B, when I tried PDQ first, in 2019, their food was just as tasteless as it was in 2021. And that's the way that it was. You know, there was a PDQ nearby, and I'd never heard of it before. So I remember I first tried out the PDQ, because I thought it looked good. I was going to get some chicken tenders, I got some dipping sauce. I thought, yeah, this looks pretty good. And I will say, aesthetically speaking, PDQ's food always looks good. Now, granted, it's kind of hard not to make a chicken tender look good. I mean, they kind of look good if you just cook it properly, but anyway aside the point. Uh, the food always looks good. But when I tried their food for the first time in 2019, I remember I tried out this chicken tender sans sauce, and I thought, what the hell? This is just flavorless. It's just matter. I mean, it just tasted like nothing. It was just like fried stuff, and that was it. There was no flavor to it whatsoever. I thought, how could it look so good and not taste like anything. And then I used the dipping sauce and I kind of kept using this barbecue sauce that they had. So I did that and then I got them once again in like 2020. Same exact thing though. So there was an, there were two other times or maybe even three other times before that review. And every time it was the same stuff, just flavorless matter. The only thing salvaging it was the sauce. And I kind of stopped going there. I said, what's the point? I'm wasting my money here for something that doesn't even taste like anything that I have to just keep relying on this dipping sauce to even taste like anything. And it's like, I'm just kind of eating barbecue sauce with the side of fried blob. It's like, I'm not tasting a single thing. I'm not tasting this chicken, despite how it looks. So I kind of said, forget it. You know, I'm just not gonna uh, bother anymore. I didn't do any reviews for PDQ before because it's not a chain that a lot of people know. And uh, again, when the YouTube channel is what I do for a livelihood, I look for things that try to get at least a certain level of views. And these smaller chains, I hate to be so frank about, 
but people just don't care and they won't watch it. So I kind of held off on doing a review in that case as well. So finally, we come to December of 2021, and I'm recovering from the COVID, and they released this chicken sandwich that was actually getting a little bit of traction. So I decided to give it a shot, and no surprise, it was exactly like how the rest were. Looks good, and it doesn't taste like anything. So to me, there's no surprises because it completely corroborates all the other times I've been to PDQ. It's the exact same thing. It just tastes like nothing. It's just, it's, it's matter, and that's it. So for me, there's no surprise. And I understand the argument. You say, yeah, but it looks so good. And you had COVID and it obviously was affecting your judgment. But I disagree with all of those claims because I've been there before. I've been there before COVID was ever a thing. My experiences are all the same. So that's why I think that it was a bad sandwich. It lines up with every other experience. And just interpret that as you will. I can't tell you what to think or not, but I am adamant in my assertion that it's bad. Because I haven't had a single experience to uh, suggest otherwise. Now, one could reasonably argue maybe it's just the one near me. Maybe it is. You know, that could be. Maybe I wound up with the worst PDQ in Florida nearby, you know, but if that's the case, that's a problem that PDQ has to deal with, and uh, then they need to get their act together and assure there to be consistency uh, between their establishments. But that's all that I could really say, and, you know, it's... I think people can kind of interpret that as they will. Some people might just kind of say, yeah... I think you're full of it. I think you're just making that up, you know, whatever. But I could only I could only speak from my personal experience. But um we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if there's really any demand for any more reviews of PDQ, but if there winds up being some, you know, we'll give him a shot. And if it's good, it's good. I worry, though, that I'm going to be set up for disappointment again, and and then it gets to a point where I even feel bad. I feel like I don't even want to put the chain through this, you know? They're not a big chain. When people search them up, you know, they'll just find my negative reviews of them, and even if me, you know, people might be saying, yeah, that's, that's good, though. People could kind of learn the truth, but I, I still feel bad, and I can't help but feel bad about that. I don't know, I don't think I'm making an ounce of sense, so let's go on to the next email. Paul sends in an email, just says, I'm sure you've heard of the new Coca-Cola Starlight. I'd love to see a review of it. Uh, Paul, I did do a review of it. It's right there on the YouTube channel. You should be able to find it pretty easily, but uh, it's it's did and done. So uh, not to worry, I got around to it. I got a bunch of requests for it, so all's taken care of there. Uh, This question comes in, Hello, VORW. I'm composing this email to ask you a question about the rubber ducks. 
that had the honor of being in some of your older videos. My first question is, did they have names? And my second is, how did they go about being in your videos? Were they big fans? Did they live with you, or did they help you with the review? And did they ever take a bath with you? So thank you for your questions. Uh, indeed, we have a collection of rubber ducks. So we'll get to the questions in order. Do they have names? Indeed they do. Of course, every sentient being has a, a name of sorts, at least, or some means of identification, um, being that these ducks are, of course, of higher intelligence and have the capacity for direct communication. They likewise have ways upon which they identify themselves, i.e. names. So yes, they do. They do value their privacy, though, so I don't think they would really be too appreciative of me saying their names to a mass audience. Um, but indeed, they all do have names, yes. Second, how did they go about being in your videos? So, some of them are big fans. Um, some of them were actually around, not quite from day one, but really early on. Uh, there were two of them that I saw first, actually, in 2012. It was a very, very rainy day, and they were kind of going down the street. And we crossed paths with one another, uh, struck up a conversation. They asked what I did, and I was honest. I said, I, you know, I'm not really doing anything, but I do this YouTube channel for fun, which it was at the time. And they expressed interest. One of them was actually a bit handy with the camera. And uh, from there, they've just been on board. So that's how two of them at least kind of joined in. Uh, one of them actually, if you remember that one time, I think it was back in 2016, there was that contest with that, that cereal, and, uh, if you did the little crossword puzzle and you got it right, and you found the cipher that was inside the cereal box, you got to be on the show. Well, one of those ducks won the contest, so that's how one of them got there, and they all get along. They all get along. Uh, the one duck with the top hat, I mean... Come on, just look at him. He's a duck with a top hat. How can you not have him on? He looks great. And he requested that this one red uh, unicorn duck uh, come on as well. And, and how can you not? That duck is so cool, too. So that that duck obviously has a place. But, uh, you know, they all, they all have a good dynamic. They get along. They're a nice community of ducks. And, uh, you know, they see after one another, so it all works out so well that um, they're all good. They um, they kind of help with the reviews a little bit, but otherwise, you know, they kind of have their spot. They see after things, and uh, it's a symbiotic relationship. Now, have they ever taken a bath with me? No, they haven't. Um, we all respect each other's boundaries. And they are very professional. So they bathe and rinse, of course. They keep themselves quite clean and proper. But at the same time, they do that on their own time, as I do mine. You know, I, I bathe and all of that. When I do, they 
do it when they do. But um, that's just the way that it works. So no, they are not bathtub ducks. Boy, I guess, you know, energy-wise, metaphorically, I didn't really have a fully charged battery. My god, I'm just burning through it. Yeah, well, it's alright. It's not like this is a high-energy show to begin with or anything. Brady writes in, Any more videos where you react to comments? Of course, Brady, yes, there will be more. Um, I couldn't tell you when, but oh, there certainly will be. So just hang tight, and they will come. So, no worries. Not to worry. one of those nights. Alright, my energy is so depleted, I'm gonna have to cut this short. Uh, I think I'll get back on the microphone tomorrow and we'll uh, resume this, but my apologies. Uh, But we'll continue the show in a little bit. This is VORW.